You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, please visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now, let's listen in. I've got a good buddy of mine that is a a missions pastor at a, a local church here, and he's telling the story about, he goes down to Haiti about six times a year, and uh, telling about one of the guys as he started to learn English learned to say the phrase, God is good. So every time he would see my buddy Rick, he would go, God is good. And so Rick would respond, God is good. And so the last time he went down there, he thought he'd beat him to the punch. So my buddy looks at him and goes, God is good. And he goes, no, no, Mr. Rick, God is great. <laughs> and, uh, and I just, uh, you know, and we do serve a great God. And it is, uh, you know, it is a pleasure to be able to to worship with you guys this evening, and uh, and to be able to share with you Bob and Kathy's uh, middle son, uh, who's the uh, missionary down in Australia, came up a couple of days ago, and so they took a weekend, a much deserved weekend away. So you get me, and uh, but the uh, we've been talking uh, since uh, the first part of January about casting vision and dreaming and and pastor bob shared about you know without vision people perish and you know talked about dreaming big and dreaming again and as jody shared a, a couple minutes ago you know god does have plans for each and every one of us and those plans are for a future and a lot of times that they come in the way of dreams and of uh, that he plants on our heart uh it says in uh, in psalm 37 that he gives us the desires of our heart so they come that way and and god wants us to walk into those and so i want to talk about once we start recognizing the dreams and visions and and things that that god has put in us what do we do what's the role there you know, some of us have some dreams and visions that we have already, and others of us haven't quite got it figured out yet. You know, they can be as simple as if you're a student, your vision is to graduate. You know? <laughs> and, it's a, and that can be a good vision. And, you know, if you're if you're a husband or a wife, you can have a vision of having a godly marriage that blesses your family, blesses people, and blesses God. So when I talk about dreams and visions, they can be big, world-changing visions that God has given you, but they can be, you know, by our category, simple things as well. And so uh, I want you to have that picture of vision isn't necessarily uh, Mother Teresa going, you know, out out into the her area of the world and, and meeting all the needs she did because there was only one Mother Teresa and there's only one you. So uh, yeah, as you as you look at that, I want you to have a good picture of that. So when you get something that you think God has planted in you like that, what do you do? Do you just pray and pray and pray and say, God, you can give it to me. I know you can give it to me. Maybe, but that's just a start. Is it going to be easy? Probably not. Are you going to run into challenges across, along the way? There's a pretty good chance of it. Are there going to be a few battles in there too? Yeah, probably. But here's what I want you to walk away from tonight. If you don't remember anything else that I say, remember this. A vision that is not accompanied by action will never come to pass. Okay? You know, it's like the, uh, like I can remember when I played Little League Baseball, the coach telling me, if the bat doesn't leave your shoulder, you're never going to get a hit. 
Okay, I, mean, I know that's pretty obvious, but you got to go out swinging. Okay, a vision a, that is not accompanied by action will not come to pass. And uh, you know, three or four weeks ago, when uh, when Pastor Bob was looking at the calendar and uh, and knew he was going to be gone this week, and he asked me to speak. I was reading through Proverbs uh, the day after that, and this verse just about jumped off the page, and, and God really spoke to me through that verse, and it kind of is, is what's going to start off this message tonight, and it's at the last part of Proverbs 21. You have that up there, Proverbs 21, verse 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory rests in the Lord. Now, it doesn't take reading very long in the Old Testament to see that war was common back then. I mean, that was something they knew. You know, in, there's even a passage in there that says, in the springtime as the kings go to war. So, yeah, I mean, it was very common. So an analogy to war really resonated with people back then. And so most of them understood, most of, the, of God's people understood that as their hearts were towards God, he gave them victory. Not everybody understood that, but a number of them did. But all of them understood what was necessary to prepare for battle. Now, this talked about preparing the horse. A warrior on horseback had a tremendous advantage over a foot soldier. And he knew how important that horse was, and it gave him a better chance of survival than not having a horse. So do you think he took good care of that horse? Yeah, probably pretty good. Do you think he knew what it meant to prepare that? So can the horse prepare itself? Head goes this way for no. and then, <laughs> The horse can't prepare itself, and the untrained soldier is not very good in battle either. A lot of times when God's people went to war, God delivered them in some miraculous ways where they didn't even have to fight. But there were times, too, where they did. The enemy was, was swinging, swinging swords, I say, at them, and they had to swing their swords back, and they had to try not to die. They would win battles, but people still died. So do you think a good warrior probably continued to train so he was ready in season and out? Even though God, they knew God gave the victory, they still knew their part to prepare. So when God gives you a dream or a vision or a desire that he plants in your heart, it is your responsibility to prepare your horse. So what does that look like for you? And because most of us aren't in war right now, what is your horse? What does your horse look like? Okay. It may not be a physical battle that you're preparing for, but it's still your responsibility to prepare. Now, I want to take a little sidetrack here before I answer that and address those of you who think, you know, I'd really like to have a dream or a vision, but I just really want to make it to my next paycheck. Could that be okay? <laughs> you know, and, and you think, you know, survival mode is all you have, is what you think. And so your goal is you're trying just to survive. And you're not even sure if God wants to use you or not. Well, I want to address that first before we talk about you preparing yourself. So, I'm going to pretend for a second here something that we know is absolutely not true. I'm going to pretend I'm God for just a second. 
if I were God and I wanted to accomplish things on the earth and I knew I had the power, I'm sorry. Humans are a lousy example a lot of times and they're not the people I would choose to do things through. I'm just being honest right there. If I wanted to do something, I would just speak it into existence and make it happen and be done with it. Because it'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? I mean, there have been a lot of righteous people throughout history. You can read about a number of them in the Bible. You can read your history books about a number more. But all of them were flawed, weren't they? I mean, we read in the Bible about murderers, adulterers, liars. The list goes on and on. And God still used them. I wouldn't do that if I was God. It doesn't make sense to me. But that's not how God works. I mean, even, even look at the example of what he did through Jesus. The 12 men he picked to change the world, Jesus didn't go pull up the list of the, of the best and brightest under age 30 and go, I'm going to take the top 12 off of that. That's not what he did. He took tax collectors and fishermen and a zealot. I mean, a guy that wanted to overthrow the government, you really want him on your team? I mean, he did not pick a group of people that we would have picked. God chooses to use imperfect, flawed, messed up people to change the world. Do I understand that? No. But I know it to be true. So let me ask you this question. Are you flawed? There's actually some response there. I'm getting a little help here, okay? If you are, you're in good company and God wants to use you. Okay? There is not a single verse in Scripture anywhere that says God doesn't want to use you. It's not there. It doesn't matter how messed up you think you are. God wants to use you. In fact, I like Ephesians 2.10 and what it says about that. It's one of my favorite verses anyway. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What that does not say is that some of us, okay? It doesn't say some of us are God's workmanship. We, that's a collective, all of us are God's workmanship. We are created to do good works. And guess what? God prepared them in advance for each and every one of you. There are things that he created you uniquely to be able to do that if you don't do, nobody else is going to. Okay? That is what prepared in advance for you specifically to do. Okay? So, now that can be a little heavy sometimes, and you go, you did what? But God created stuff for you to do and for me to do and all of us. He's given us different things to do there. I have heard a lot of people say, but I'm not qualified. That's not me. I've said it before. It's been a week or two. (laughs) But, you know, as I look at that, you know, the more unqualified you feel, the more ready you are to be used by God. And let me explain why I say that. And here's why I think that God chooses to use people who don't feel qualified. 
Acts 4.13, after Peter and John had just performed a miracle and, and all the hubbub that was following that, the people around said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. Well, if they had been the smartest kids in the room, if they had been the most charismatic speakers there, then they would just have looked at them and go, wow, those guys are pretty good. But when they looked at them and realized they were ordinary and that they weren't well-educated, they knew something else was up. They said, this is different. I've not seen this before. Well, it must be because they were hanging around Jesus. So when they saw that they were not anything all that special, they knew God was at work. Well, if you feel like you're not all that special, which all of us have probably spent at least a little bit of time there, awesome! Because God is! I want you to think about what I said a second ago about the more unqualified you feel, the more qualified you really are. And here's why. Would God ever tell you you're unqualified? Anybody? No, I don't think so. If God would never tell you you're unqualified, and Satan has been referred to as the father of lies, and you feel unqualified, who probably said that? Hmm, kind of make you think there a little bit, huh? <laughs> okay, so here's the interesting thing about that. If you're listening to that voice that isn't true, but you take it in and take it to be true, because if someone in your life keeps looking at you, you'll never amount to anything, you're not good enough, you can't do that, and then you start to take that in and believe it, that's still not truth of what God says about you, because, but it becomes true to you. And then, because you've believed the lie, for you it becomes true. So when you believe somebody telling you or believe in your own mind that you're unqualified, which God never said, you're believing a lie and you aren't going to be very usable when you believe that. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Just, just checking here. So the thoughts we have in our head, the things that we believe about ourselves, we need to check them against Scripture and make sure that they align with what God says about us. If you're believing anything about yourself that God doesn't say, then you're believing a lie. All right? So, stop it! Okay. <laughs> um, so, what I want, the reason I took that little sidestep, because I want to make sure you all realize you are qualified to do whatever work God prepared for you in advance to do. All right? So, you know, and that is, as I mentioned, unique to all of us. 1 Corinthians 12 has a passage that compares the body of Christ to the physical body and talks about all the different parts are being unique and basically says the hand's not going to be the foot, the foot's not going to be the hand or the eye. Or you, know, you have to be what you were created to be. So don't look to somebody else and go, I wish I could be them. You look to God and say, who are you saying I am and become the best version of you that God created? Okay? So it's not your goal to become somebody else. It's your goal to become the best person that God created out of you. All right? 
So, and when you recognize the things that God has laid in front of you, your role is then obedience and chase after it with all you got. Okay? So back to the question at the beginning. Now that you know you're qualified, <laughs> um, God ha has visions and dreams for you. If you don't have an inkling of exactly what those are yet, and God places those in your heart, what do you do with it then? What are you going to prepare? So let me get practical for a minute. Let's pretend for a second that what God places on your heart is the value of the unborn child. Okay? And it just breaks your heart when you read stories about abortion, hear people about that, and it just, you know, God has put that so strongly on your heart that you know that you know that you know that you have to do something about it. What do you do? Well, you probably read so you understand about it. You probably go sign up at a account to be a counselor at a clinic for unwed mothers, something like that. And to do that and be able to counsel, you attend classes, you study, you read scripture so that you know how to have that conversation with a confused unwed mother who never meant to be pregnant in the first place and has no idea what to do. You do everything in your power to save babies one at a time because that's the dream God put on your heart. That's what you go do. You go prepare to make a difference once you recognize that dream. Does that make sense? Okay. So remember what I said earlier that I want you to remember? A vision that is not accompanied by action won't come to pass. Okay. Sometimes God calls you to something that you never saw coming. You didn't have any idea it was your future. Three years ago, Lori and I knew nothing about the challenges that refugees went through. And we didn't even know that they placed refugees in Jacksonville. We had no clue about it. But then we met some. First, first family we met was this family from Afghanistan. And they had our hearts. We thought, these are awesome people. We, want, we got to know their story. And we started asking ourselves the question, what do we do now? We see the need. Our hearts are drawn this direction. So what's next? Well, for those of you who know our story, you know, as we started talking about that, we realized that living you know, where we lived wasn't conducive to, to interacting with people, so we sold our condo. Lori quit her job. We moved into an apartment, class, uh, apartment complex because that's where God was putting the refugees. So if that's where they were going to be, that's where we needed to be. But you know what? Once we got there and saw the need, we would talk about and ask ourselves, there's got to be better things out there. What's, you know, what does this look like? But it's not enough. And so, you know, the question that we ask, you know, the government gives them money for 90 days and they're expected to come in here, learn the language, the culture, get a job and be fully self-sufficient in 90 days. I couldn't do that. I couldn't move across town and do that. And I know the language. Okay. I mean, so we started asking ourselves the question then, what would be the best scenario as they come in knowing there's only resources for 90 days? What's been birthed out of many conversations in our heart as God's been changing that is the desire to see an apartment complex or housing complex independent of the regular ones out there that's just for refugees that helps them and gives them more time to acclimate to what's going on and go past that 90-day mark. I mean, that's a big horse to prepare right there, <laughs> okay? 
It's way beyond something that Lori and I can do by ourselves, and we know that, but we also know that God's that God is in this. But as we know that that's in our future, what's our responsibility in the present? Well, as I talk about, once you know what that dream is, you have to go prepare for it. So what we've done in this is we have we are in the process of filing all our paperwork with both the state and the federal government to become a not-for-profit organization because money lasts for 90 days. We're calling ourselves beyond 90. I mean, because we're really creative. <laughs> but we, we have spent countless hours in the drudgery of paperwork. Why? Because it's preparing the horse that's in front of us. We know the dream and vision God's put there. And if God were to bring somebody to us tomorrow that says, I have land, I have a building I want to give you, and we weren't ready for it, he'd go, oh, I better go find somebody else that's ready then. He'd be like, but, but we knew that was our dream. That should be ours. So we have to be prepared because we know what's in front of us. The victory is God's. We can't do this on our own. We don't have the resources for a housing complex like that. But God's got all the resources in the world. So as he puts that dream on our heart, it is us preparing for when God says go to be ready. So when you recognize what God puts on your heart, that is what you have to do. Because a vision that's not accompanied by action will not come to pass. Did I say that before? Okay. <laughs> but there's a couple of things in here that I think... If you don't have that dream yet or vision or desire that God has for each of you that he's prepared in advance for you to do, there'd be questions you'd ask because there are questions I ask. So I'm just going to assume you ask some of the same ones I do. I dream about stuff all the time. How do I know it's from you? Well, that's a good question to ask. And the first question that you should ask to answer that question, if a question can answer a question there, is... Does this line up with your, with your heart, God? Check the scriptures to see if the vision that is in your heart lines up with scripture and with what God's, who you know God to be. Well, there's a really good chance that that's a God birth vision if that's the case. If your vision is by age 30 to be driving a Ferrari, you're not going to find that in the scripture. It doesn't mean it isn't okay to have one, but that's not a God-placed vision, pretty much. You find that scripture verse, you let me know, okay? But you know, if God's, God's word is very, very clear about he feel, how he feels about widows and orphans. So if your dream or your vision is with either one of those, guess what? That lines up with his heart. And so there's a really, really good chance that that's a vision or a desire from God. Okay, so check and see if it lines up with what God says. And then the next question's a little bit tougher. Is it a good idea or is it a God idea? Because there's all sorts of good ideas out there. It doesn't take long of listening to very many people and you go, oh man, I like what they're doing. That's cool. Oh no, I like what they're doing. That's cool too. Oh no, theirs is good too. You could find yourself going a thousand different directions because there are so many good things that people are doing out there. So how do you know if it's just a good idea or a God idea? Well, that's where drawing in the relationship with God and seeking him and asking him 
to burden your heart for what burdens his and what that specific dream or vision or desire is for you. And it, God will grow that in you, and you will know that you know that you know that it's what you have to go do. And that leads to the next question of, if you think it is, how do you tell if it's really important to you or not? Well, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your thoughts? Okay. If you say something is important to you, but you're not spending any time doing it. I mean, back in the days when I used to manage country clubs, I would have members that would play two and three and four days a week and practice a couple more times in there. And you didn't have to ask if golf was important to them or not. Because a lot of their time was spent there. A lot of their money was spent there. I saw the bills. <laughs> and, you know, you didn't have to ask that question. You knew what was important to them. Well, you can tell by the way people spend their days what's important to them. So you can ask yourself that same question. What am I doing with my time? Am I spending my time in the areas that I say are important? Okay. If you're not, maybe you have to ask, is it really important? Or if you know it is, why am I sitting on my rear end? Okay, I mean, it's a good question. I've been there. Okay. So you've gotten to that place and you, you think you know what it is and you've been, you know, talking to God and you kind of got this. What do you do then? Well, I'm not going to go through the entire story of Nehemiah with you now, but Nehemiah sets a great example. When Nehemiah heard that the Jerusalem's walls were torn down, it broke his heart. That's where he was from. War had torn him down, and it was just, Jerusalem was a mess. And he knew he needed to do something about that. But he wasn't in a position to do anything about it. He was cupbearer cup to the king. You didn't just give two weeks' notice and say bye. That was a responsibility you couldn't walk away from. But what did he do? When he knew that that was what, was what God put on his heart, he planned. He said, okay, if I'm going to be able to do this, what do I need to do? And he got all the plans together. He knew, he knew the materials he'd need. He had everything planned out. And when the king asked him the question and said, you don't look like you're real happy right now. What's up? And he had the chance to tell him. That was the one shot he had to tell him right then. If he'd have said, ah, never mind, it probably wouldn't have come back again. But it was important to them. He had planned it all out. He knew what God had put in front of him. And he said, I am going to do this. And so when the king asked him about it, the king saw all that in him and said, go, you have my blessing. We, when we recognize what that is, have to do that same thing. We don't know when the opportunity is really going to be there. So we have to be prepared because, you know, going back to that warrior on the horseback there, he didn't know the next time he was going to war. Okay? He had to keep himself trained up and his horse prepared, right? Okay. So the model of seeking God and planning and preparing for a vision that Nehemiah did, if you've never read the, the story, I encourage you to go in the Old Testament, read the book of Nehemiah. There's a lot of great examples from that. So does that mean it'll be easy? No. Anybody ever tells you it's going to be, he's lying. 
Okay, <laughs> you know, it's a, but what we know is that we are just ordinary people, and God's going to get the glory when it happens anyway, right? And, yeah, Pastor Bob, a couple weeks back, was sharing this quote from the book that he was reading uh, from Mark Batterson's book called Chasing the Lion, and he said, if your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. And so if you're not a little bit apprehensive of what's in front of you, if it doesn't make you go, God, I've done this and this, and you've, t- you've gotten the glory for these things in my life, and it, but this one's bigger. I'm not ready to do this again. Well, guess what? You probably really are, because if it doesn't scare you a little bit, it's probably too small. And guess what? God will see you through it, and he's going to get the glory for it. So, as, our, as the Vineyard founder John Wimber used to say, and you hear it quoted often, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Is it going to be risky? Sure. Do you have a chance of looking foolish? Absolutely. I'm good at it. It's on my resume. Okay? Do you play things too safe, though? Do you ever step out on that wire without a net underneath you? Because God said, go, I got it. Or do you always have to make sure that safety net's clearly in place before you step out? Is it really faith if we make sure all the contingencies are there if it doesn't work out? Anybody ever might call you crazy for stepping into something big? Sure. But you know what? Noah was crazy till it started raining. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, not a single person around him thought he was sane till the rains came. So it's okay because our goal is quite simply obedience. It's not more difficult than that. Recognize what God's placed in front of you and walk into it. So, as I go to wrap up here tonight, a couple things that I want you to remember. One, a vision that does not get accompanied by action will not come to pass. When you recognize what it is, walk into it. Okay? And God wants to use you and you and you and you. Okay? I'm not leaving anybody out. That's the collective you. Okay? God wants to do that. He has planned and prepared things in advance for you to do. He has a specific dream that is unique to you, that he, that he wants you to be the one to fulfill. In a minute here, we're going to have some ministry time, and, and we want to pray for you. And one of the things, if, God, if you don't know what it is that God's laying out in front of you, we want to pray for you that God would put the thing on your heart that's on his heart that he has prepared in advance for you to do. If you know what it is and you haven't stepped into it or haven't done any preparation for it, we want to pray for you too. Okay, you catching the theme here? We want to pray for you. (laughs) And if you do know what it is and you're smack dab in the middle of it and you're fighting to make it all happen, we want to pray for you too. So guess what? I don't know if that leaves anybody out or not. <laughs> but, Josh, if you, I want to go ahead and pray collectively for everybody, and then 
I want to give some chance for if people have specific things on their heart they want to pray for. We're going to get a couple members of our ministry team up here, and we'd like to like to pray for you and and, and help you you recognize what God's doing in you there. So, Father God, we do thank you that you've created each of us uniquely and individually, and that you have things that you've called each of us to do. Each of us uniquely have tasks that you have set for us, Father. We ask that you you burn those dreams, those visions, those desires into our hearts so we know that we know what's from you, Father. And then, Father, give us the the discipline that's necessary to step into those things, to walk forward into those, Father, and know exactly what it is, Father, that we have to prepare to be ready for what you're doing. Father, for those of us in here who don't know what it is that you called for us, ask that you speak in dreams and visions and, and just words as, as we read our scriptures, Father, that you would have words just jump off the page that speak to our hearts, that share your vision for us. And Father, for those of us who may have an idea what that vision is, but haven't moved towards it in the least, Father, we pray for encouragement and discipline, Father, and the desire for your heart to be moved by your heart as we see that opportunity, Father. And for us that are in the middle of it right now and are out there doing what God has laid in front of us, Father, we ask for perseverance, we ask for strength, we ask for your hand, we ask for, as Jody was praying earlier, we just ask for more of you. We ask for you to just fill us with your presence. When we wake up in the morning, surprise us as we go through our days with your presence, just recognizing it in the little things of the day. Father, we are so thankful that you do care individually about each and every one of us. And it is our desire, Father, to walk in obedience to the things that you've placed on our hearts. We do pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church. For more information on teachings and special events, please visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.